Football represents something we are. Something we are. Football is like life. You gotta push. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Hold up. Welcome to the BS Fantasy Podcast. Let the games begin. Welcome into the bomb shelter. That's Banky. I'm Sirstens. Together we are BS Fantasy. Uh, we got a little bit different episode for you guys today. Uh, we've got former UCLA quarterback Kevin Prince in. Uh, he's going to sit down and uh, we'll ask him some questions and maybe get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> How you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you there. Yeah, let me get us started off with a question here. Um, <laughs> what what was it like to start as a freshman at a big program like UCLA? Well, for me, it was it was crazy. First of all, I mean, I grew up going to all the UCLA games. I mean, me and my brother were ball boys um, at UCLA when we were in middle school and beginning in high school. And so that was always my dream. And, you know, I didn't play my senior year of high school. Um, I really only played 10 games on varsity in high school because of injuries and tore my ACL in the first game of my senior season in, in high school. So, you know, going from, you know, the last game that I played as a junior in high school and then, you know, going onto the, the college stage at a school like UCLA that I grew up, you know, wanted to go to and play for was pretty wild. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you're, you're glad to, uh, you know, looking back on it, glad that you were naive and didn't know any better. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like you just go out there and you're, you're just playing football and, you know, don't think too much about it. So um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and certainly for me, it was pretty crazy to see my dream realized, especially that early on. Yeah, that sounds like quite the experience. I uh, I don't know if I would have been able to handle that as like an 18-year-old kid, so. Yeah, I mean, you just don't really have a choice. It's, you you kind of get thrust into it. And I mean, for, you know, where we were as a program back then, you know, I came in my true freshman year and we had two quarterbacks, um, you know, two seniors, Pat Cowan and Ben Olson, who both got injured. Um, in spring practice, it was the same practice and, you know, they both had injuries that, you know, basically ended their careers there at UCLA. Um, and so it was a transfer, JC transfer, Kevin Kraft, who uh, took over. Um, and then I, I redshirted that first year and then, and then started the next year, took over for him. Um, there just, you know, just wasn't really m many options and, you know, kind of got thrust into a situation where I, uh, just had to adapt and figure it out. So, uh, you said you didn't play your senior season of high school. Uh, did that, did that like make a, uh, a change in your college, you know, sports, you know, where you wanted to go or was it always UCLA? Well, I always wanted to go to UCLA. Um, going into my senior season, I had, I think it was nine or 10 offers from you know, a variety of schools, mostly on the West coast. And it was really for me, um, you know, going into my senior season, I hadn't picked the school, but I was kind of debating between Washington uh, and UCLA. Those were the two main schools I was considering. And 
fortunately, you know, the, the first thing I thought of, you know, when I was down on the field, it was six plays into my first drive of my first game and my senior year and tore my ACL. And I, I hadn't ever had a significant injury like that before, but you, it's just one of those things where you, you just know, you know, you feel a pop or, you know, in my case, it was kind of a shift in my knee. And, and my first thought was, you know, just hoping that schools still wanted me. Um, and so, you know, fortunately schools still did. And, um, throughout the whole, you know, recruiting process, you know, I had a, a good enough junior season that got, you know, teams still wanted me and, um, UCLA was always the school I wanted to go to, but I was actually committed to Washington for a little while. Um, and it was about a week before signing day. Uh, and I was committed to Washington at the time. And Rick Neuheisel was on campus. He had, he, you know, had just gotten hired and was kind of making his rounds amongst all the recruits to make sure that everyone was still on board. And one of my teammates at Crespi High School was committed to UCLA, a guy, a kid by the name of EJ Woods. And, um, and so he was coming to visit EJ. And th- this is, you know, kind of a tangent, but I'm just, it, it's just an interesting story how it all happened. We, I was in class and got called out of class because Rick Neuheisel was on campus. And um, the reason he called me out was he went into my coach's office and had mentioned that his son, Jerry, went to a quarterback camp or went to a, a football camp at UCLA the year before. And I was at that camp. And Jerry had mentioned when he got back that, you know, there was this kid at, from Crespi and he was, you know, he was the, the star of the camp and Rick had remembered that. And so when he went to Crespi, he asked my coach to put on some tape and anyways, to make a, a really long story short, he called me out of class and I had my Washington sweatshirt on and I walk into the <laughs> office and there's Rick Neuheisel and, and, uh, and basically he challenged me to a game, um, where he, you know, went on the whiteboard and explained the rules of this game and, He's like, look, I'm not going to try to convince you to, to come to UCLA. I understand it's far along in the process and, you know, you, you've made your decision. But if I beat you 10 times in a row in this game, you have to at least come to campus with your parents and let me show you around. And so it just piqued my interest too much to turn them down. I'm a competitive guy. And so I figured I could beat him at least once out of 10 times. And, you know, in any event, it would make a good story. And sure enough, he knew the secret to the game. He beat me 10 times in a row. And it really pissed me off, but I was, you know, said, okay, you know, I'll come to campus. And uh, sure enough, he was able to, to convince me to change my mind and, you know, ultimately go to my dream school. So that's ultimately how I ended up at UCLA. That's an awesome story. I, I don't know what the game was like, but I'm pretty sure I would have lost 10 times in a row as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was so mad. I I went back um, after I had committed. I went back to school, and it's a game that you could play on a whiteboard. And I seriously, I spent the next three months or however many months were left in school, um, and I I challenged every one of my teammates in the locker room until I could finally I, until I finally figured out the secret to this game, where you basically you have three columns with lines and you're trying to get your opponent to erase the last line and there's rules to the game. And anyways, I was so obsessed with it because I lost to him and I wanted to go on campus my first day and challenge him and beat him. And that's exactly what I did. So the first day that I got on campus, I went up to the football offices and I said, coach, I'm ready for you. And I drew the lines up on the whiteboard and, and was able to beat him. So 
it was my way of, uh, of showing them my competitive nature. That's great. Uh, how much prep did they give you for handling the media when you were at UCLA? Did you have to go to like classes for that? No, I mean, not like a formal class. They, you know, the sports, uh, information director would come and address the, the team before each season, you know, like I, I think, you know, before we had our media day, he'd come and say, you know, these are kinds of, you know, these are the questions that they're going to ask, you know, for instance, like our first year, you know, they prepped us on, you know, these are the things they're going to ask about coach new And here are the things they are going to ask about Norm Chow. And, you know, they'd kind of coach you through the, some of the things to expect and then, you know, how to handle, questions that you didn't know the answer to or you weren't comfortable answering uh but there there really wasn't any formal prep beyond that it was just kind of a, a you know 30 minute meeting of you know hey here's what to look out for and here's how to deal with it so i, I got a follow-up to that then um is there is there a question or interview in your mind uh you know during your playing career that kind of stands out as a time that you maybe didn't handle it the right way or, or maybe, uh, differently than, than what your coaches would have liked. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I preface this with, I can't imagine like being a student athlete and having to answer some of the questions that they get from the media and, and, you know, the public at large. Did you ever, would, you know, did you ever face any kind of scrutiny or anything like that? No, I think I, I can't think of anything. I mean, the, there might be something where I, you know, could look back and say, wow, I wish I would have answered that differently. But for the most part, my, my whole mindset when being interviewed was just, you know, the, the typical quarterback mindset, which is to just take the blame and don't, don't, you know, pass in, blame to anybody else and just focus on yourself. I mean, I think some guys take that to the extreme. Like you listen to Andrew Lux interviews sometimes and you're like, okay, dude, like, you know, he, he could throw for five touchdowns and no picks and 500 yards. And he, you know, says that he's, you know, got a ton of stuff to work on and it's all on him. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, he, he, that's the point, right? It's just, the, you know, you don't try to point fingers and say, oh, well, the defense needs to play better or, you know, my receivers need to catch. It's just, you know, it's, it's just focusing on yourself and, what you can do. And I was always brutally honest with it. You know, I had a game when I was, uh, I think it was when I was a sophomore, we had Texas or no, it was, I think it was my junior year. Um, it was, we had Texas at the Rose bowl. Um, and we had beaten Texas the year before in Austin and they came to the Rose bowl my junior year. And I threw three interceptions in the first quarter and got taken out of the game. And I was booed off the field and it was just it was a nasty you know nasty game and just you know one of the worst experiences as a football player for me and after the game you know they you know some of the reporters were asking how it felt to be booed and I just said you know that's <laughs> it is what it is I would have booed myself too um, you know, if I'm in the if I'm in the stands I you know I, I'd boo the quarterback who threw three first quarter interceptions so I think that you know for me I just I kept it honest and I was always open. So I, you know, never really felt like I was hiding anything or, you know, saying something that wasn't true. Can you uh, take us in the locker room and give us some like, maybe not necessarily ridiculous, but just some good stories that came out of the locker room? Because I always wanted to be like part of that environment, 
but I played individual sports like golf and tennis, so I never really got it. Well, there certainly I can you know think of stories you know that were were very funny and you know guys. I mean, when you get into a locker room type situation, it's just it's uh, it's just a different environment. I mean, especially you know, you're with these guys all day, every day, um, pretty much, you know, year round. Um, and so you get very comfortable with each other and, and some of the things that you see are just, uh, um, are interesting sometimes. I mean, is this a PG podcast? Can I get, no, man, you, know? you, you tell us whatever you want, <laughs> let it ride. We want some good stories. <laughs> well, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll give one example without naming names, but if that person's listening to this podcast, I'll know exactly who they are. But um, <laughs> well, you know, if it'll make you feel better, I, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that person is probably not listening. <laughs> so you're probably good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, he he, he might be. I I'm, I might you know send him a text message and tell him to listen so that he can have a good laugh. But um, anyways, I. Yeah, I, you know, getting out of the shower once I, you know, come around the corner and one of my one of my teammates is there's, you know, we had rows of lockers and guys, you know, we had benches. Each guy had their own locker with, you know, a little bench where you could lift it up and put your cleats underneath and you had a little uh, cubby and, you know, place to hang your, your clothes and towel or whatever. And guys would just sit on their rows and, you know, on these benches. And there was one row in particular where, you know, it was kind of like all the, the defensive backs and they're all just kind of sitting there and, and congregating. It's after practice. And uh, one of my teammates had gotten out of the shower and gotten, you know, you know obviously you just got out of the shower, he's completely naked. And he climbs up on top of the locker and hangs his, you know, bare rear end over the <laughs> the edge of the top of the locker and tells one of one of the guys to look up and the reaction was just so priceless and guys were just going crazy and freaking out and you know it was just it was mayhem so you know things like that uh, would happen all the time um and that was you know just part of the the you know craziness of you know you you go through practice all the time and, you know, games are stressful and, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on and sometimes it's just fun to cut loose in the locker room and, you know, be just, you know, kind of idiots, you know, <laughs> just, just do stupid stuff like that. So that's awesome. If you think of any other stories that come to so, mind in the uh, locker room, go for it. What, uh, is there a game? Oh, you guys cut out for a second. Sorry, what was that? Oh, sorry. I was saying if uh, if any other locker room stories come to mind, feel free to share them because <laughs> I absolutely love hearing about them. They're like some of my favorite stories. So, uh, did yeah, you? Uh, I mean, there there are more, and you know, they they get they get dirtier, but um, we we don't <laughs> have to to focus on that. <laughs> Did uh did you do much trash talking when you were on the field, or did you have to kind of be more of like a leader? Um, I wasn't a big trash talker. I mean, when you're on the field, there's so much that you have to focus on. I mean, between getting the play call and then making sure everybody's lined up properly, and then you know scanning the defense and you know 
checking out of a play if you have to, um, and then, you know, executing the play. And then after the play's over, starting that whole process over again and, you know, doing it every, you know, 40 seconds that you, you know, have in between each play. Um, for me, there just wasn't a lot of time. I just <laughs> had a lot to, to get done between each play. So I wasn't a big trash talker. I let my, my linemen were usually the ones who were big trash talkers and, and they would kind of, you know, stick up for me. And if, if someone was talking trash, they'd, uh, they'd make sure that they'd talk back to them. Were there any right opponents that would just talk tons of heat to you, but you just had to ignore it, like you said, because you had so much going on in your mind with plays and the play clock and everything? Yeah, I mean, the, the one guy who was always just a, a pain in the butt was uh, Vontez Perfect. Um, he played. Oh, of course, State. of course. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> was he uh, was he dirty back then too? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he was always. I mean, you know, you always had to prepare for him and. Um, we knew going into every game against Arizona State that he was just going to be, you know, he was just going to be disruptive. I mean, not only because he's a great player, but because he, you know, his whole game is trying to get into your head. And so, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, our linemen were great because they would, they love, they, they relished that responsibility of trying to get into other people's heads. And they could, they, they always did a good job with Vontez of, um, you know, talking right back to him and, and shutting him down. But, you know, come to think of it, that's probably the only time where I've really um, got into it as far as trash talking or talking back was with Vontez because he would do things under the pile where, you know, he'd try to, you know, grab you or, you know, one time he tried to, you know, gouge my eyes through my face mask and do, you know, crazy stuff like that. So um, that was when guys would get physical and, you know, do unnecessary things like that, that would really piss me off and get me to talk a little bit but i think those were the only occasions where i'd actually engage with it yeah i would have gone crazy if someone was trying to poke me in the eyes so uh, yeah it's probably a good thing that i was <laughs> never out there uh that that kind of leads to my next question um was there a team that you guys faced regularly that you felt did play a little bit more dirty or or little outside the lines more often than others um trying to think back i mean not really there there wasn't anybody who had necessarily a reputation or you know that that we felt were dirty i mean the the one game that was unfortunate um which we played them a couple times was houston and and they did a, a pretty cheap um they did a pretty cheap thing on one of their, their kickoff, uh, kickoff plays where they just decided to, you know, we, our kickoff team was kicking off and their kickoff return team, you know, typically when the ball gets kicked off, the kickoff return team, um, will retreat back and then, you know, get in their spots. And, you know, back then you could set a wedge and do all that stuff. Um, and in this case, you know, and, and meanwhile, when you kick the ball off, you know, the kickoff team's looking up and locating the ball so they can track it so they're not looking directly ahead of them. And in this particular game, Houston decided that they would take their front line of the kickoff return team and just instead of retreating back, they were gunning for our front line. And just as soon as the ball was kicked, they ran forward instead of retreating back and took out three or four of our guys. And I think, I think at least two of them, maybe three, suffered pretty severe injuries where they couldn't finish the game. And I know in at least one case it ended the season. So 
that that and that was the you know opening kickoff of the game. So that was really an unfortunate situation, and that, like the one time, one thing I can think of where a team was just blatantly playing dirty. Um, and other than that, you know, can't think of really schools that had that kind of reputation or played that way. Did, uh, did you ever think about having a career in football? I know, uh, maybe not so much in, as in like the pro football NFL type, but maybe as in, uh, coaching or in like offensive coordinator position anywhere, like in college or high school. Yeah, I mean, I you know, if, as far as playing, it was always my dream to to you know play in the NFL. And uh, you know, as I was going through my career, and as I mentioned, I had a torn ACL, and um, you know, broke my collarbone in high school as well. My you know, to end my junior season, and had a broken jaw, and you know, got a second knee surgery when I was in school, and had a few concussions, and just you know, it was just one after the next. And so, the injuries really you know made it so I wasn't motivated to really try playing at the next level um even though you know my my shot of going was probably the undrafted free agent route i just you know for me just sounded like i mean my last year at ucla i was basically rehabbing you know an hour to an hour and a half every day just to go out and practice and it was just you know on top of everything else you got to do is just getting to be a lot and then as far as coaching you know, I had a conversation with Norm Chow. Uh, Norm Chow was my first offensive coordinator at UCLA and had a conversation with him when I was relatively young. I mean, I think it was my sophomore year. Um, it might have been my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year. But, you know, he had just – I would go into his office um, on Mondays and we'd kind of recap what happened on Saturday. And, um, you know, and then we just talk about life and, and things in general. And uh, he had – mentioned in one of those talks that, you know, if I ever wanted to have a family and, you know, enjoy growing up, you know, watching my kids grow up just to, to stay far away from college coaching. Um, and that that was one of his, you know, one of his, I don't want to say regrets because I don't think that's what he said, but just that, you know, for him, he, you know, didn't always get to be there with his kids and, you know, wasn't always home uh, because, you know, I, like his hours he would get in at, Four thirty-five in the morning and stay till 10 to 11 at night. And that was a regular day for him. Um, and then, you know, in the off season, they're out on the road recruiting. And so for me, I mean, I have a young family. I got married right out of college. I have two young boys. So I knew that that was what I wanted to do is to, you know, be a dad and, and have a family. So coaching for me never really was, uh, really never thought about it. Um, but I definitely want to do it at some point, maybe on the high school level. And I mean, I had three offensive coordinators at UCLA, uh, got to experience different offenses and different concepts. And I still have, you know, all my notebooks and uh, playbooks and, you know, from all those times and feel like I could put together a pretty fun offense. So maybe someday, you know, uh, down the road, doing it on the high school level or something could be fun to do. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're exactly right. It, I'm those hours that everybody in football works are just, I mean, they're, they're absurd. I don't know how anybody does it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it takes a special type of woman to stay married to a football coach, especially. Those yeah, kids. True. It's just like, you know, it's basically like being a single mom and, um, I, especially in, I mean, it happens in the NFL, but in college, it seems like even more that the turnover for staff is just so high that, 
you know, it's you look at any college coach's resume and it's like every two to three years they're on the move to a different city and it's just a tough life to maintain. And yeah, so it, college coaches definitely have it rough. Um, and I know that they, they do it because they're passionate about it and love the game. So uh, you brought up uh, a little bit ago just, you know, how hard it was to stay healthy and, and you know, upkeep on injuries and everything. Since I don't have any personal insight, you know, not having been a college football athlete myself, what do you make of these guys like, you know, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, you know, that are, you know, pushing 40, 41, you know, and, and want to keep playing? What kind of regimen goes into, you know, elongating a career like that? Well, I think a, a couple things that, you know, for me personally, you know, looking back, one of the biggest re- regrets that I have is how I played. You know, we, we ran a, you know, the pistol offense for, you know, most of my time there where we kind of implemented what Colin Kaepernick did at Nevada. We actually took the run game coordinator um, at the time that uh, Colin was at Nevada and uh, hired him and had him, you know, basically teach us the, the pistol uh, offense and how to run it and do the zone read and all that. So I was running a lot and, and not protecting myself as, uh, as well as I should have as a quarterback. So that's probably one of my biggest regrets. But as far as those guys who are still playing, I mean, you know, Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and I mean, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will, will get there. And I mean, all, all these guys are, are playing a long time. And I think it, it is just a lot of dedication to keeping up your body and eating right. I mean, you hear it in basketball too, where, I mean, I think LeBron spends a million dollars a year on maintaining his body. And um, that's, that's what it takes. I think is just a, a true dedication to, um, taking care of your body and then playing smart. I mean, you watch, you know, like Peyton Manning when he was playing, um, and you know, Eli does it too, where if pressure's coming and he knows he can't get rid of the ball, he'll just drop, you know, he'll just drop to the ground and not take a hit. Um, and, and, you know, I certainly never did that. And I think that guys struggle with that, um, because they don't want to be seen as soft or, you know, anything, but at the end of the day, um, especially those franchise quarterbacks, you got to stay healthy and you got to be available. So um, I think it's really impressive that, that, you know, every year that Tom Brady can go out there and play, especially as high as a level that he can play at and Drew Brees as well. It's just, it's fascinating to me because I know how much work goes into it. Um, and like I mentioned for me, you know, towards the end of my career, I was doing an hour to an hour and a half a day of rehab on top of everything else I was doing. So I'm sure those guys are, are doing even more than that to, to stay, you know, in the, the shape that they're in. Yeah, that sounds so time consuming. I mean, considering you're in college and doing classes and all that too. I mean, that's that's just crazy. But uh, what 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 do you wish a casual fan knew more about as far as playing the quarterback position? Well, I think you know to, to hit on your last point there. Just as far as on the college level, um, just how time consuming it really is. I mean, you're it's truly a you know, an all day, um, schedule that you have to adhere to being a student athlete. And especially as a quarterback, I mean, you know, my days would start at five thirty in the morning and you'd get up and, um, you know, have practice early in the morning for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, and then shower up and have a quick breakfast and get to class. And you usually have class from, you know, eight till one o'clock, two o'clock, and then, you know, get back to, um, uh, back to the facility and, you know, have a weightlifting session, 
um, you know, that's where my, you know, after weightlifting is when rehab would happen for an hour, hour and a half. And then you'd get back to meetings and, you know, watch the entire practice that you did that morning, um, and which would take, you know, another hour to two hours and, um, you know, and then watch some game or watch some tape of the opponent that you have for that week and talk about your game plan. And then, you know, you'd have uh, in a lot of cases, you, you know, during the season, you'd had mandatory tutoring that you had to be at by, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. And so by the time your day's done, um, you know, before you could even really start doing any homework or anything like that, any assignments that you had from class, um, you know, you're, you're getting home around nine o'clock at night a lot of times, especially during the season. So um, that's one of the things where, you know, I don't think people realize just how time consuming it really is to, to play, especially as a quarterback when you have to know so much and, and, you know, really master the game plan every week and, and get ready. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And then as far as just on the field, you know, I don't, I don't really know, you know, I guess just, you know, all the, the, the intricacies of, of the game. Um, you know, I had, I was occasionally listened to Colin Cowherd in the mornings and I, I think it was today, maybe it was yesterday, but, or uh, yeah, probably today because today's Monday. He, he had mentioned um, on his uh, broadcast that you know 99% of uh, media probably couldn't drop a single football play um, and I don't know if that's true or not but I, I'm certain that it's true for you know casual fans that they just don't realize just how detail oriented you have to be um, and how uh, you know it comes down to every last player on that offense every you know lineman receiver running back and quarterback to be on the exact same page to execute just the simplest of plays um, and just how much, you know, coordination that goes into that and, you know, execution. So I think just the, the detail and complexity of the game that a lot of fans just look at it and, and thinks it's just a run or a pass, but there's so much more that goes into it to, to you know, be a successful offense or defense. Seriously, do you have a question for Kevin? I do. Yeah. It's uh, I actually got a, a two parter here for you. Um, so the first part is, is there a game that sticks out in your mind, um, you know, from your days at UCLA where everything was clicking for either you or your team or both? And then on the other side, uh, is there one game that sticks out where kind of everything just went up, you know, up in flames and, and you kind of just bombed? Well, I'll, I'll answer those in reverse order. The, the easy one is the one where we bombed. <laughs> um, you know, if UCLA fans will know that, unfortunately, you know, I, I was in the game where we played at the Coliseum against USC and lost 50 to nothing. Um, and that was just an absolute brutal loss. Not only, you know, just to lose, you know, by that many points, um, but to lose to to your rival, um, that, that is, you know, obviously an important game for us. And the frustrating part of that game was not necessarily that we couldn't execute because we got into the red zone, you know, I think three or four times. Um, but we just couldn't put it in the end zone and we couldn't, we just couldn't find a way to, to score points. And that was easily the most frustrating game of my career, uh, for those reasons. Um, and then, you know, as far as, you know, games where it was clicking, I mean, there's, there's a few that come into mind where, you know, you're, you're just kind of in the zone and, and on a roll and you just had a good game plan. I mean, I think one of those was when we played Washington at the Rose Bowl. And I think it was one of the years that Jake Locker was there and I was a, it was my redshirt freshman year. And we just came out of the gate firing. I think I had, you know, 
can't remember the exact stats. It's been so long, but you know, threw for 200 plus yards in the first half and was just really finally for me, that game sticks out because it was my freshman year and I had a few injuries I was dealing with early in the year. I broke my jaw early in the season. And so I, you know, that we're in the middle of conference play. It was at the Rose Bowl. Um, You know, I'm running the West Coast offense. And, you know, in that game, I can remember four or five times where I'm making audibles and signaling receivers and changing routes and um, and really just felt in the groove. And, um, you know, the game finally at that point in the season started to feel a little bit slower for me. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, all those things you hear about of being in the zone of, you know, the game slows down. It's when it when you are in it, that's I mean, it's exactly like what people say. And uh, and that was the first time in college that I'd felt that way. So um, I, I think that game sticks out for me. Do you uh, do you feel like actually playing football gives you any sort of an advantage in fantasy football? Because I feel like the nerdy, <laughs> the nerdier you are, the actual better you're gonna do in something like fantasy as opposed to playing the game. Uh, no, I mean I, I, you know, I've had I finished in last place before, and then I, you know, was second place last year, and it just is. It's you know, there's a, a big element of luck in, in fantasy, I think, but. I think the one thing that I do take is that, you know, because I was injury prone, that I'm a, I'm a big believer that if somebody's been injured multiple times, that I just don't trust them. Um, so I usually stay away from guys like, you know, Gronkowski or, um, you know, I, there's, there's a bunch of them that I stay away from. I can't think of, I, you know, I think of um, who was it that I used to never want to take. Um, Probably Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed is definitely one of them. Uh, DeMarco Murray, I think, was one of them that I just I just never trusted. Um, so there's guys where, you know, they get hurt and, you know, it just seems to happen. And, you know, maybe it's bad luck. Maybe it's not. But um, for me, just because <laughs> I was always hurt, I know that people just can be injury prone and people can just, you know, be susceptible to injury for whatever reason. And so I, I tend to stay away from those guys. And I've been fortunate enough to – um, now I'm probably going to have a guy with a season and an injury on my team, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Karma. Yeah. uh, so, so have you, uh, have you always played fantasy football or, or, you know, how are, how into f- playing fantasy football are you? Uh, I get pretty into it. I mean, I'm not, um, for me, it's just, I, I probably started playing when I was, in college um but you know that was i was pretty casual with it and we'd have a a group of guys on the team who would do it and you know i I get as about as serious as you know the the guys in my league are and in college it was you know guys kind of forgot about it after like week five or six and um they forget to set their lineups and it was like okay this isn't really fun but you know now you know i'm in a, a pretty fun league where guys pay attention to it and they're active on the waiver wire and um and i i always have a lot of fun trying to, you know, come up with trades and, you know, I, I like making a lot of roster moves. So, um, I, I get into it, you know, it's for me, you know, just a, a fun way to watch all the games and, you know, have them be relevant. Cause you know, a lot of the time there's a game on that you normally wouldn't care about. And when you have guys that are playing and, you know, you need to get a certain amount of points, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, um, I, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty into it now. It's, uh, since I'm in a fun league. 
I'd say Kevin takes it pretty seriously because he he didn't want to come on this podcast unless I traded him some of my high end players. <laughs> so he's trying to trying to hold me hostage. So I think he's at a whole nother level of taking it seriously. Uh, that that's all that's all I have so far, Searsons. You got anything else for Kevin? Dude, I I got one more question for you. Um, so you you said you were. Uh, always about UCLA. Um, if UCLA didn't exist, where would you have wanted to play quarterback? Um, it, you're, you, I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. So you said if UCLA wasn't, you know, if, if that wasn't an option? Yeah, so, so yeah, if UCLA wasn't an option, where would you have wanted to play QB? Well, uh, like I said, I, I was committed to, to the University of Washington uh, for a little while. So, I mean, Going up there, you know, for me, I grew up pretty close to campus um, at UCLA. My dad went to UCLA. My brother and I went to all the games, you know, all the basketball, football games. So that was always my dream. But um, there was a part of me that was intrigued by going somewhere else and, you know, leaving my little bubble that I'd been in my whole life and uh, going out on my own. And that's part of what appealed to me at Washington. Um, well, you know, on top of just the fact that Washington's campus is absolutely beautiful and, um, the Husky stadium is probably one of my favorite stadiums in all of college football. Um, so the, the I'd say probably Washington was, you know, I, I mean, if UCLA didn't work out, that's for sure where I, I would have been. Okay. Do you, uh, do you still keep in contact with any of your, uh, teammates that you played with at UCLA? Yeah, well, one of them's in our fantasy league. Um, you know, the the long snapper for the Vikings, Kevin McDermott, who is uh, infamous for losing the tip of his pinky last week against the Rams. I was at that game, and he, he came out afterwards and, and told us the story that he had uh, got his pinky caught in a face mask, and uh, the, the tip of his pinky had basically gotten detached, and he pulled the Ronnie Lott and got it stitched up and went back in the game, so... He's in our league. He was one of my roommates and certainly keep in touch with him. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a handful of guys that, um, you know, uh, one of my good buddies, Joe Fourier, I went to um, uh, went to high school with at Crespi, and um, he played at UCLA with me. And he was um, on the Lions for a couple of years and famous for his touchdown celebrations. So I certainly keep in touch with him. And, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say there's, you know, probably 10, 11 guys that I still – keep in touch with on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, I was scrolling through uh, Twitter the other week and I saw, you know, Kevin McDermott's name come up and I was like, wait a second, why is he coming up on like a, a beat writer's report? And then, like it said, he lost, you know, part of his finger came off and I immediately texted Austin, your brother, right. who manages our league. And I was like, dude, what happened? Like, <laughs> is he okay? Is he like done forever? I was like super worried about him. Yeah, he, he was in incredibly good spirits, um, and it was so funny. It was like, you know, I, I've known Kevin um, since we were, you know, he, he grew up in Nashville and came out and, and played at UCLA, so I've known him since we were freshmen, um, and uh, I've been to Nashville a couple times with him and stayed at his uh, parents' house and where he grew up, and I've gotten to know his parents really well, too, and so... I saw Kevin after the game and he told me what had happened and his parents were, you know, just probably 10 feet behind us. And, and I'm like, 
well, don't, don't tell your mom what actually happened. She's going to freak out. Like I just, you know, I, like I'm like, you know, Deb can't handle that right now. And, uh, and sure enough, he goes and, and tells her and, uh, and I could not believe the reaction from Kevin's parents was just like so nonchalant. They're like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. You know, it's like, like he literally is, you know, not going to have the tip of his pinky for the rest of his life. And they, uh, they, you know, seem to be very unaffected by it. They're like, Oh, well, you know, at least he didn't, you know, break his back or do something really crazy. So it was just so funny, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, pretty crazy to, to be at that game and, um, talk to him afterwards and just see how unfazed him and his whole family seemed to be by the whole thing. Yeah. See, it's stories like that, that really let me know just how lacking I am in the manliness department. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way I could shake off losing any, you know, finger just so casually like, Oh yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I mean, I, you know, for him to, to go out there and get stitched up and then uh, go and finish the game. And then I think, I mean, I didn't get to watch the game uh, yesterday, but I think he they they won on a, a field goal, and obviously he was out there and snapping the ball, and and clearly, I mean, doing just fine. So he's he's a tough guy. I mean, that's um, that's something I can't say that I've been able to do is <laughs> lose a, an appendage and, and be able to go play. So he's uh, he's got me beat there. Awesome. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on and kind of BSing with us a little bit, opening up and, you know, telling us a couple of stories. That's that's really cool because I think that's when, uh, you know, interviews are the best and that's when people like to stay in their car and listen to them is when someone's being honest just like you did. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for inviting me on, guys. It was fun. Yeah. Tell, tell your wife uh, we appreciate her holding down the fort with the kids, yeah, too. I will. Yeah, seriously. I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> My, mine's doing the same right now. Oh, sounds like Searson's cut out there for a little bit. That's all right. I think he was just saying that his wife's doing the same. Yeah, I yeah. think maybe his wife opened the door and maybe the kid <laughs> kid got loose or something. They had to throw it on mute really quick. No, she yeah. she uh, she can't she can't crawl yet, so we're good there. All right, you want to drop her handles and call it good, Chris? Yeah, um, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at bsfantasyfb. Uh, feel free to shoot us your emails, uh, ask us some questions about your lineups or, or, you know, uh, trade, trade questions, uh, BS fantasy FB at gmail.com and check out our, our website, BS Thanks again. Yeah, Kevin. Thanks for having me guys.